All right. Uh, man, Ben, your story was... Where did you go, Ben? There it is. Somewhere there. Uh, he just... He totally got blessed with an awesome job. Anybody just got, like, man, a cool job you're thankful for? Man, jobs are, like, hard these days. And so I remember Ben was just you know, so just worked up about this job and so we were talking about it and praying about it and so he got it and um, something started stirring on my heart, both as I was reflecting on people like Ben and, and people I'll kind of mention here in the audience, um, just the whole idea of stewardship. Stewardship and favor and having increase in your life. Having a, a releasing of possibilities for your life that wasn't previously possible. And I began to just like meditate, like, God, what is it that you're stirring for us? And, and I think that, that if, if I can deduce it down to two types of people, let, let me break it down for you this way. There, there's two types where maybe the first type is people have a crystal clear idea of where they're going, what their life will be like in five years. And they're like, they're on it. You know, they're just, they're ready. I met someone tonight, they're going, they're here for two months, they're going to Oakland, going to Peace Corps, they're going to do women's ministry. I mean, they, they've got it, Right. Um, and then I think there's others where they're like, I'm like wondering what. <laughs> it's like, I'm barely making it through the day. I don't know what I'm going to eat. You know, that's about as far as like my decisions kind of take me. You know, and they, they don't, they couldn't tell you for the life of them what the next five years of their life is going to look like. And so how do you have people where maybe in the, the first category, they have a crystal clear picture and maybe they don't have the steps. And we're like, I really want to, uh, you know, be a great man. I want to have a great character. I want to have victory. I want to have a great marriage. You kind of like the generals, but you don't know what is next. It's not like, we'll just go to college for husbandry. You know, it's just not that obvious and easy. <laughs> and so how, how do we gauge what is next? Both of like, I know I'm moving forward. I just don't know which direction. Or I don't, I can't move forward. I don't know how to even take the first step. I think most of us kind of fit in that category and, and what I want is I want us to thrive in there. I want us to be kicking butt in Jesus' name. Can I say that? I want all of us to not just be just surviving but thriving. I want us all to be unlocking every possibility for our life where we stand at the end of eternity and we say, I hit a home run. Bases were loaded and I didn't flinch, right? You don't want to get to heaven and, like, and see, man, I missed everything because the one thing I fear, if there's anything I feared about for heaven, was to see the missed opportunities in my life. See the missed things I didn't do. See the things I didn't invest myself. See the person I kind of turned my back from. I'm afraid of that. I don't want to miss anything. But as we're talking about unlocking possibilities and, and you know, really going for it with God, with life, with marriage, with relationships, all that stuff, I think that there has to be briefly an accurate mindset of the will of God. If there is one thing that I, I think can uh, influence us in a negative way, it's actually probably a broken perception of the will of God. I believe the will of God is not a tightrope. Like so many of us are like, what is the will of God? I believe it's an open pasture, right? We are sheep, he is our shepherd, Right? Well, sheep aren't in stalls, right? They're in open pastures. They are in, in valleys, they're in mountains. You have a shepherd that's kind of in a general region. You don't have like sheep in like, do I eat this piece of grass or do I don't? You know, and they're like, God, what are you telling me to do? He's like, you're in a valley. There's like more grass than you could ever want. Like stop, like just go. You know, I'm with you. You know, and the, the great imagery about a shepherd is that you have sheep that wander like, 
the shepherd is so kind to kind of, if you kind of get out of line and, and protect you from harm, but the specifics, you know, sheep aren't walking this tightrope, and I think sometimes we need to remember that the will of God is really a lot to us. If you study the will of God in the Bible, you won't really find people saying, should I marry this person or not, or should I go have this job or not? Everywhere you find the will of God, he says, find me. Find me, that's the will of God. The will of God is that you become fully empowered with my spirit, the rest of it, whatever. Not whatever, but it, it's, it's more of like, be free to become who you are. Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Translation, all of this stuff doesn't matter if you are seeking him. But I don't want it to matter in terms of a, it didn't matter, so I'm not gonna put any effort, I'm just not gonna do anything. I want it to be like, it doesn't matter that I can go and kick butt. I can be the best that I can ever be, and it does not become an idol. It does not become something I'm defined by. I'm not defined by being successful in business. I'm not defined by money. I'm not defined by anything. I'm defined by the living God, but God is gonna show me ways in which I can make decisions in my life to make me a great human being, make me a great father, make me a, a great pastor. Like, that's what I want, and I want that for us. And I, uh, I don't like formulas. Don't get me wrong. I don't like formulas. I don't believe that God gives formulas like we're all looking for. What's the formula for the will of God? What's the formula for my success? But I do like patterns in the Bible. So we're gonna look at a couple. So if you have a Bible, we're gonna be looking in Matthew chapter 25. And uh, I believe we're gonna have it on the screen, but this is a, an amazing story. Even beyond this, I, I encourage you guys to bookmark this, highlight it, mark it up. I'm gonna give mention to a few things in this text. And I always like marking in my Bible, like a little pen, a date or something. And to, so whenever I come back, because we always like stumble back through scripture. Scripture's gonna be here forever, you know? So it's good to make these kind of mental notes of some of the things that the Lord would highlight to us. So Matthew 25, we're gonna read verses one through 28. You guys with me? Verse one, then the kingdom of heaven will be compared to 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the prudent took oil and flasks along with their lamps. Now while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight, there was a shout. Behold the bridegroom, come out and meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the prudent, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the prudent answered, no, there will be not enough for us and you too. Go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with them, went in with him to the wedding feast and the door was shut Verse 11, later, the other virgin also came saying, Lord, Lord, open up for us. But he answered, truly I say to you, I do not know you. Be alert on then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. Verse 14, for it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey Immediately, the one who had received the five went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received uh, two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. 
Now after a long time, the masters of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will now put you in charge of many things. Enter the joy of your master. That's my favorite part of that <laughs> part. Verse 22, Also the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me, see, I have gained two more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Enter the joy of your master. And the one also who had received the one talent came up and said, master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But the master asked, answered him and said to him, you wicked, lazy slave, you knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank and on my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10. Sorry, it's a long text, but there, I believe those two stories were meant to be together. There are different principles, I think, that we need to look at both of these. And, and here's number one is you might look at this and think, well, okay, stewardship, okay, what God gives me, whatever. Well, God hasn't given me anything. Oh yeah, really? Every single person has already been given something from God. You have already been entrusted. Every single butt in this seat has already been received a powerful thing from God. You know what it is? You know Matthew 16, 19? This is one of those verses you gotta like ingrain on your heart. It says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. If you are a believer in Christ, you've been given something crazy called the keys to the kingdom. Sounds a little important, amen? It might just be a tad bit better than five bucks. It might be better than a minimum wage job. It, it sounds a lot more sophisticated and a lot more powerful. All of us can add that to our job description. If you want to get creative on your resume, I have the keys of the kingdom. You know, it's biblical, right? You have already been entrusted with something so powerful. What else have you been entrusted with? You've been entrusted with the mind of Christ, 1 Corinthians 2.16. You've been given the presence of the living God in you. You've been given his Holy Spirit, those are all already within you. So maybe the first question about who are you gonna be, what are you gonna do with life, is what maybe have you done with the most powerful gifts in the world? What have you done with the most powerful things, the most powerful gifts in the world? We can complain about a job, we can complain about a relationship, we can talk about all these things, but God's saying, all, remember all these things will be given to you as well? Those are the, all the things we're talking about. We've missed, man, what have I done with the keys of the kingdom? What have I done with the mind of Christ? We want more to life. We need to do something more with what we already have. At default, I wanna release you guys. Open the mind beyond just what maybe our current circumstances are that we have already been given so much. But our tendency here is to, is to complain about what we don't have, right? As we, it, we, we, we use complaining, and complaining gives us an excuse to ignore what we already have been given. You know someone who's got like a car and like, well, my car's not that car, you know? And you're like, people travel by foot in most of the world. Like, you know, like, come on, you know? Or, or, or you know, if I only had a little more money, you know, people, like, I love you all, right? <laughs> okay? But, you know, people who... 
who are like, oh, I'm so broke, I need so many, and we're like, we pray, and I'll see them in Starbucks, yeah, I'll have a venti, you know, frappuccino with extra caramel, extra, and it's like a $9 drink, you're like, really? <laughs> I mean, like, maybe we should, if, if money is what we want, like, you know, let's be better stewards of the little we have, why? It's because if we're faithful with the little, we can be interested with a lot, right, amen? Hope I didn't offend anybody there. My favorite all time, though, is I saw a Facebook post that says, I never get what I want, and it said, sent for my iPhone 5. I like, <laughs> it was amazing. I'm like, you are such, I won't finish that sentence. <laughs> but here's the, the, the point, in, the, in, in while complaining about our circumstances, we will miss powerful opportunities that God will give us. We'll so focus on what we don't have and we'll so complain about that that we'll totally miss God-sized opportunities for us. I'm telling you, don't complain. I get even like a little complaining I'll do every once in a while. I have someone who keeps me accountable to it. But you will delay every good possibility by complaining about the lack of possibilities. If you want more friends, don't go complain that you don't have more friends. It works the opposite way. If you say, I will never get married, you probably will prove yourself right. Why? Is it because when your mind, your heart, your mouth begins to say these things, your life will prove yourself right. No one likes to be proved wrong, right? So you've gone and blabbed every, I'm never gonna get married. I mean, how foolish are you gonna look when you get married so everyone can say, told you so, you know? Like, don't do that because you're gonna miss amazing things in the process of complaining. And a critical mindset will make you totally intolerant to the process that God wants to take you for it. Because the process that we go to and go through for promotion is way more important than what we are actually pursuing itself. Let me say that again. Who we become on the journey to what we desire is more important than what we desire. It's a good word right there. Amen? You guys, what, who you become I missed it, darn it. <laughs> Who you become in the pursuit of your desire is more important than the desire. I think that was it. <laughs> you guys heard the, the grass is greener on the other side? You heard the opposite to that? The grass is greener where you water it, right? Pick up the hose. I hate garden work as much as anybody else, but sometimes we just don't want to water our own life. Amen? And what you do with the little, again, prepares you for the plenty. I'm in software right now. I never imagined I'd be in software. I'm not that smart in terms of technology, maybe on other fronts too, but I, I wasn't that, I don't do programming, like, and I own a software company, kind of weird, right? But I started, I was like, would draw. And then drawing like led to, hey, I can draw on a computer and I can do things on Photoshop. And that led to, hey, would someone do a logo? And I started doing logos for free. And then all of a sudden, hey, could you do a logo for 100 bucks? Sure, I'll do a logo for $100. And, and I began to do that. And soon I'm doing websites. And then I'm like, hey, I need a programmer. Can someone program this? And you just begin this process. Now, if I would have sought at the beginning and said, I just want to be in software and I don't want to go through that journey, I wouldn't be where I am today. Because if I can't do a $300 logo, what makes me think I can handle a $300,000 project? We all want the big projects, right? I have someone who graduated law school. They're, they're fresh out in the market. And it's a hard place if you're in that, that position. And they want to bill out $200 an hour. 
It's like, I get that that's what you want to do, but why don't you start like billing out at like 50 an hour, which is still a great income. We need to know that we got to start somewhere because through that process, every increment of promotion will come. And the seed never looks like the harvest. The seed which you're being entrusted, the opportunity, what comes, it never looks fully realized like what you're actually going after, what you, what you really want. I like to use the, the thing like we ask God for an oak tree and he gives us an acorn. And you're like, what, do I look like a squirrel or I don't get this. You know, we ask, you know, God, give me an oak tree and he gives us an acorn. Why? Because the oak tree is in the acorn. The oak tree is up to us. He's given us the seed. And so let's not get confused by whatever opportunity we have because sometimes it, it's, it's the blessing in disguise, right? It's the blessing hidden and packaged as something different. And what I found most importantly for my life is that in the times where I want and where there's times that there's famine, it has prepared me to be able to graduate to enjoy the feast, right? Who I've become in stewarding in the times where there's very little has given me the character, has given me the stewardship, has given me the vision. Now when we have nine employees, we have a business that doubles every year. It's like, Lord, this is, this is more than I can bear. I, I want to be the same person who cared and stewarded for the $300 logo that was like our rent for the month, you know? And, and I believe God is so concerned that if your heart is really sold out to him, that some of us, he wants to bless us, but he, if he blesses us the way that we want without giving us the process, we're gonna ruin it. You can have a blessing be a curse. You can go on like TLC and like watch the stories of like people who win the lottery. It is like the worst thing in the world like to hear these stories of people who win the lottery. Like bad things happen, you know? And they're, like, it's like a crazy percentage, like 60% wind up back bankrupt, whatever. Oh, a person I love in here is, uh, is Cody. And um, Cody, he is pursuing a career in uh, the police in San Jose, police department, police, give me some help here. The law enforcement, thank you. I was like, that's not sounding right. But he put himself through college. How? You guys know he works at In-N-Out. He was able to put himself through college graduate debt-free and prepare himself for a life full of opportunity. Why? Flipping burgers. Work in the fryer later. Like, his pride wasn't above that. And look, he gets the pride of saying, I put in the hours. I started the small, and I worked myself up, and I worked my tail off, and I put in the hours with my studies. I prioritized. I was disciplined, and now I'm here. And he just bought a dirt bike, which I am so thrilled about. <laughs> but think about it, Right? Someone who's going to put themselves through college and be completely debt-free. I don't know. It's, it's amazing. All right, number two. What you do now is way more important than what you do tomorrow. Don't overthink this one. What you do today, what you do now, is far more important than what you will do tomorrow. Why? You know how we are. We're like charging like the triple layer chocolate cake and we're like, I'm going to go on a diet tomorrow. <laughs> right? You know, like, while I'm on the couch, I'm like, you know, eating Taco Bell, it's like, I'll start working out tomorrow, you know, or I'll eventually get to that tomorrow. Like, we, we have no limit to what we'll say we'll do tomorrow. Amen? Like, when I was younger and we lived on a farm after to do chores, I'd like, just tomorrow, mom, just tomorrow. Because like, tomorrow doesn't really exist in our minds. If we can delay it to tomorrow, it doesn't actually happen. Amen? 
But time is of the essence. Unlocking possibilities is about timing. Stewardship is about timing. Start now. Whatever it is, whatever God, whatever seed is placed before you, start now. Because the most important choice you'll make is the choice you'll make here tonight, right now. Did you notice in the stories, verse 16, if you still have your Bible, is that the first person, after receiving five talents, it says immediately he went. He didn't be like, sweet, I'll get back to this later. He seized the opportunity. The seed came and he went right to work. He's like, I'm going to steward this. I'm going to invest myself in it. In verse three and four, the foolish virgins, if you, if you recall what the story was, is like he had two, two sets of people one they had went and bought extra ahead of time and the others didn't, they waited. And so when they're preparing for the bridegroom, they had an excess of oil. They were ready, they, they did the decision at the time. So choices don't matter for tomorrow. It matters what you do now because tomorrow you, you'll, you'll talk yourself out of anything as long as you don't have to do it today. And the only bad decision you can make in the process is to not make any decision at all. Because not making a decision at all actually still is making a decision. Billy Graham says the greatest sin of American Christians is hearing sermons and doing nothing. Isn't that powerful? The greatest sin of American Christians is hearing sermons and doing nothing. Why? Why are decisions so important that you make here? Because decisions are for another day. You live for another day. What you are doing here right now, what your life was made up of today is not just for today. It is for years ahead of you. Today's choices are gonna impact what, what happens for the rest of your life. I know it sounds kind of cliche, but think about it this year is that when we go and enjoy food and we enjoy uh, you know, beef or whatever, we are not eating this year's crop. We are eating crop from another season, from another year. We are enjoying the fruits of our life that actually was sown years in advance. If you want to be a good husband in five years, hello, Jesus. <laughs> if you want to be a good husband, I'm not sure if that was a sign. <laughs> you don't wait till you get married to be a good husband. Amen? You start working on who you are now. And if you're dating somebody, don't be like, oh, he'll turn around when he gets married. Like, his life now is your life later. That's a good word. Women been trying to change men since the beginning of time. It, it doesn't, doesn't work. Who he is now, marry him for who he is now, because I promise you, it may not get any better. We hope it does. But you need to come to grips that it might not get any better than this. Right? But think of it this way. I have a friend who's a, a farmer in, a, in the Central Valley, and they plant uh, walnut trees, and I was riding a bike with them, and I was talking about it. It takes, from the time they plant, eight years before that tree produces a single walnut. Eight years? I can't survive eight minutes of anything, let alone thinking like, I'm gonna plant this, and in eight years, which like for us is like another lifetime, is it not? <laughs> like, we have not even been alive for hardly eight years, right? <laughs> Actually, some of us haven't been alive for eight years, as I found out a few weeks ago. Um, but we live for another day. What we enjoy now was actually sown in a previous season, and what we do today, we will reap in a later season. What we do now, we will be reaping in a year, two years, three years. You fill it in. Verse 19 in the scriptures 
when the master went away, it says, after a long time, a long time, like we need to be, not be so patient. It's like taking like a little pot, putting soil in there. We have a little seed, we put it in there and yelling like, grow, you know, it's not gonna do anything. It's gonna take its time. But the decision that you make right now is the most important one you can make. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and how you make it is so important. Look at this. It says, now I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Meaning, you can determine in advance what you reap by deciding today what you sow. Let me say that again. You can decide right now what your life looks like, what you enjoy, what you benefit from by deciding right now what you're gonna sow. You start sowing now. Decisions prior to the season determine the harvest. Think of it this way, any area of your life. I know pornography and addiction is a big deal. You don't wait until you're online to start working on your resistance to temptation, right? You start working on your resistance temptation when you're in the grocery aisle and that Maxim magazine's there. That's when you start sowing your strength. That's when you bring command in your eyes. If you're in a dating relationship, you're like, we need to really work on purity. You don't decide to do it at 11.30 p.m. after a movie while cuddling. You're like, we really need to start right now. No, you make that decision ahead of time to say, nothing good happens after 10 p.m. and so I'm gonna say goodbye at 10. Right? You, you, you begin to sow now what you want later. We wait so often until the heat of the moment and we're, we're so troubled by why it doesn't work out. Same thing with problems. Every problem we have right now didn't happen overnight. Every, can you think of a problem that you have right now that actually, if you really think about it, wasn't sown over the past several months, several years, avoiding conflict, avoiding, you know, right? That are problems, they don't just happen overnight. I mean, maybe some things like, you know, Aaron and Amber, they got their car backed into, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about that, you know, we have a big temptation problem. Actually, you don't have a temptation problem right now, you just were lukewarm for 10 years. It started 10 years ago. It started by hearing messages and doing nothing. Don't tell me about a problem you have now that actually didn't get sewn in by a whole bunch of time where you decided to do nothing. Dating relationships too, I love you guys, but sometimes relationships, they, they wake in until they, they get to a breaking point and it's like, well, if we rewind the tape, you know, and, and we go back to here, like we actually could have avoided this whole entire journey. And I, I know that we all grow in, so I love you, but hear me out on that. But what, what I wanna tell you guys is like, ask yourselves, what is the most important thing I can do right now? What is God strewing on your heart? What is the thing that tonight you can say, I'm gonna do this? You make a decision now. The worst thing you can do is delay it to later. Well, I'll you know, do something later. Because what you do now is actually gonna determine the opportunities for you tomorrow. I really believe it. If you in your mind have committed and you begin to work tonight, I promise you tomorrow life is gonna start looking with different opportunities. You'll have different eyes when your mind commits. You'll, you'll see things, you'll hear things, you'll, you'll be alert on a whole other level. And if not now, then when? And if not now, why not now? The thing that, that can drive me nuts is people who feel they've heard from God and thinks that God says, well, plus or minus four or five weeks there. You know, I don't think God says anything, you know, to us about where we currently are at that doesn't kind of mean like now. 
And we need to be responding. Number three, have concern for yourself and your own abilities. Have concern for yourself and your own abilities. Verses eight and nine says, the foolish virgins said to the prudent, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But but the prudent answered, no, there will not be enough for us and you too. Kind of seems anti-Christian, right? Aren't you reading it like, no, they should have given it to them, you know? There in, in stewarding opportunities, there's also a calling for us to steward ourselves. We give We sacrifice ourselves, but also maintaining what we actually need for ourselves is actually very biblical. 2 Corinthians 8.12 says this. says, for if the willingness is there, the gift is is acceptable to what one has, not according to what one does not have. If you miss your job because you lent your car to somebody else, that wasn't the will of God, you know? Like, you know, we wanna be generous, we wanna give of ourselves, we wanna make ourselves available, but it is possible to give of yourself to your own detriment. It is a, a, a possibility that we damage ourselves, we wreck our opportunities by ignoring ourselves already. Remember that you, the Bible teaches that you can't love anybody else that you can't love to the capacity you love yourself. Love others as you love yourself. And a lot of us do a terrible job of loving ourselves because we think it's unbiblical. Actually, it's the most biblical thing you can do is to to get right, get get where you know, like, God, you know, here's who I am and I take care of myself so that I can give unto others and have concern for your own abilities. What does that mean? Do you remember in the the parable of five talents, the, the master said, that he gave one, uh, five talents to another, two and to another one, each according to his own, it said, ability, his own ability. If you don't like what you got, chances are you need to change what you're offering in life. If you don't like what you got right now, change what you're offering the world. What does that mean? It says, increase your ability, right? Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? So we don't have a, a hope or an aspiration problem. We actually have an action problem. But it's important to know that the master gave the initial based on, did somebody put in the effort? Did somebody make of themselves to receive? Again, I told you that I started out drawing and then graphic design and then web design and then software. I tried every opportunity to come the way. If I would have said, I want to be a comic book drawer, which is actually what I wanted to do at some point in time, I wouldn't have a job right now. That would be like, that's a very difficult spot at the moment. It's not in very high demand. But because I gave of myself, like, I want to learn new things. Last year, I've been, I hate college. Amen? Anybody like, ugh. Gosh. Amen? I know. (laughs) Yeah, my wife, go college. For me, I was like, I cannot get out of here fast enough. But I went back to college a year ago, when was that? And I took some more classes because what I'd been learning, new technologies came and they were starting to affect the industry. So it's like, well, I can either pretend like it doesn't exist or I can enroll myself in City College and learn some new things. There is prosperity, there, there is breakthrough, there is new levels of promotion where we allow ourselves to develop. Don't ever be stuck and say, this is my way, I'll never change. Because everything's changing so fast, we want to increase our ability. And we want to be excellent too. Proverbs 22 says this, says, do you see a man skilled 
in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. Be excellent in our work. Be concerned about our abilities. Be concerned about ourselves. And when you don't have concern for yourself and for your own abilities, when you're just thinking about others and you're, you're trying to overthink Christianity and you're trying to like, you know, do too much, what happens is we begin to blame others for our results too, right? When we ignore ourselves, ignore interests, and then life doesn't work out exactly as we want, the first thing we do is we blame others and we typically blame God because we thought we were doing the right thing. Amen? Anybody hearing that? The third servant that only returned one talent, he didn't return anything, his immediate response was to mock God or mock the servant. He says, you were a hard master who did not reap where you did not scatter seed. The first attitude response is like, well, I'm gonna blame you. You, you, you know, you're a bad master for giving me this. But isn't that sometimes how we respond? Like, we, we, we look to other people and blame other circumstances and we don't look to it as saying like, wow, I actually had a choice in there. And we, we like love to toss in the will of God there, like, well, it wasn't the will of God, you know, that I, I, I you know, it wasn't the will of God for me to have that job. Right, that's a common thing. Wasn't the will of God. Well, actually, you let your clock sleep in through the interview, so, you know, it wasn't the will of God that you overslept your alarm, <laughs> you know? Like, come on now. Amen? All right, we're almost done. The last thing, this is really short, is never stop investing. Never stop investing and reinvesting. Whatever it is, take it to the next level. Steward it well, make yourself available. If you don't like your boss, if you don't like your job, the Bible says work unto the Lord, not as unto man. Put in everything and continue to invest. But Chris Vallotton, he gave this beautiful illustration that he says that famine follows misused wealth. That when we have plenty we get back, we stop sowing in the next thing and so famine comes and we're totally unprepared. We need to be in positions where we're always investing, we're always giving, we are always looking, God, what, I'm listening, I'm gonna give my best, I'm gonna concern my own ability, but I'm gonna be a faithful steward for it. And when you think you've arrived, you've actually begun your decline. I love you guys. <laughs>